and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And my coach, Benji. Am I going to use my Instagram name today? I feel like I don't, I feel like I like <laughs> introducing, oh no, when we first started the podcast, we always introduced ourselves with our Instagram names. Did we? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I always remember, I used to say, Lucy Davis Fit. However, I feel like Lucy Davis is just, it's just strong. Well, we've had this discussion this week before, prior to the and this isn't a hint by the way to changing your name when it changes to lucy halden well we had this conversation the, the thing is my, my like personal brand is known as lucy davis fit and it has been for like the past four and a half years and i was saying to ben like i don't know how that how how i'd go about changing that i think maybe it would just be lucy davis fit and then we'd We'd, it would be Lucy Halden. Yeah, so just, oh. what you're saying is just on social media it would be. Yeah, because I feel could, like it's a You could still change it in your, in your bio as well, though, couldn't you? Yeah, oh, obviously. My name's a brand. Oh, <laughs> fucking snobby. No, no. You know what I mean, though, because obviously, like, <laughs> it, it, it's like you're you're very known as my coach, Benji. Yeah, I don't think anyone my, even knows what my coach. second name is. Exactly. This is a really funny story, actually, and I spoke... I actually think I only told you about this last night. I, Me and Ben have known each other for, like, four years. We've been together for, like three and when we first knew each other I didn't know how to say Ben's last name for that whole first year we were mates sorry I was like holding your hand there I don't know what I was doing just like stroking my phone for for the first year I didn't know how to say his last name because I I kind of did but it's Halden whereas usually it'll be Holden like you just say like Holden because that's very common like a lot of people say Davies D-A-V-I-E-S, whereas I just had to wait for someone to say I his don't know last why you name just out loud. What it is. It's just embarrassing though, isn't it? I'd well, known you for a year. We were getting together and I was like, sorry, how do you say your last name? <laughs> I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't. I couldn't stoop myself to that level. So I just... That level. I learned, There's a level to ask I your name. I just names. learned over time what your last name is and what mine's soon. No, I don't know why I said soon. What mine will be one day. <laughs> That's what I mean. No one, knows, no one knows what my second name is because on Instagram it's Michael. But oh god, Michael Benji. For people who and then on YouTube it's Michael Ben. So I feel like sometimes it's just easy to address myself as that, and people will know what I'm talking about. Or yeah, people like who the fuck's Ben Holden? Yeah, it's very no, it's very true. I I think someone who's like quite close to you's also asked what your last name is before. Because when when I get like, when I get mail now as well, like when something was tried to be delivered, that's the thing next to you there, the Royal Mail thing. It doesn't even say. My name on it just no, says, it Benji. says Benji. <laughs> people, I think someone sent me something for ben Instagram. Ben no longer has a last name. No, it says Benji Halden, to be fair. I'd be fair, they put my last name That's on it. That's so well. funny that they've put Benji Halden. And anyway, so we're going to. Enough of that. We're going to dive into the podcast, which today is about fitness fads. But um, first, I just want to say massive, massive thank you to everyone who's left a review over the last couple of weeks on the podcast. It's massively appreciated. It does really help us in the chart, it helps the podcast, podcast? podcast get out there. And it builds up a lot of trust for us. So if you've taken any value, any information, any education, had a couple of laughs over the last few weeks of us, then massively appreciate it if you either pause the podcast now, obviously not if you're driving, and leave us a five-star review. Or at the end of the podcast, if you make it all the way through, please just pop over onto is it iTunes you do it on. Yeah, so I explained this to people yesterday, how to do it, because I was getting a few questions of people who wanted to leave a review and didn't know how. And I actually didn't know for ages, but you have to physically type in the name of the podcast in the search bar, 
click on it and then scroll all the way to the bottom and it has like the stars and then the option to write a review. So that's how you do it. I, I don't think you can do it on Spotify, can you? I don't think that's the thing. I think it is just iTunes where you can leave a review. Spotify is getting better. Like the uh, the way that social media is at the moment and the way that algorithms are and they push out posts, I believe Spotify is supposed to be doing something similar with the podcast um, feed. So that Spotify I mean, Sp- great. Spotify seems to be getting really good. And I know that a lot of our listeners now are on Spotify as well. So if you can leave a review on there, that'd be great as well. Yeah, one hundred percent. But we are going to also through February be running a competition. Yeah. I.e., we're going to be picking someone who's left a review on the podcast and sending them something sick. What it is yet, we haven't decided. Will be an epic, Depending. epic prize. I'm going to be releasing that hopefully in the next episode of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. Make sure that you get your review in. And we will be um, announcing that prize and it's not a challenge, is it? A competition on the next podcast. But nothing else to report, is there? Nothing no. else going on this week? No, no, not had a, not had a, nothing to report. Yeah, just life nothing in isolation. To update. Yeah, life in isolation. <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about fitness fads and myths. And the reason that we chose the topic today was off the back of, I don't know if a few of you might have seen, the Instagram post that I put up in regards to a very out there fitness fad. Like it was one of the ones that I saw this week and I was like, I thought Never things can't get much worse. And to sell your, sell your soul for a paycheck is, is beyond me, but this was taking absolute piss. So we decided to do it on fitness fads today. The real reason why we did this and the, the reason why we created the micro school was because that we wanted to help create a platform and a suppose a source that people could go to to better educate themselves in a safe and friendly environment and a place where it was easy to digest the information and then also pass on to other people so it almost creates like a ripple effect that the people who come into the school because we have a full coaching section on there can then take some education away pass it on to other people and then hopefully that ripple effects um goes out across the fitness industry and people end up better educated and don't get sold into these fitness fads and aren't misled they aren't sold down the rabbit hole they aren't put out of pocket. They don't end up disappointed or even potentially vulnerable to negative relationships with food or exercise mm-hmm. or factors that may then affect their mental health further down the line. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well, like me and Ben speak from experience and I definitely do because this first one that I'm going to go into, it's not, it's a fad or a myth or whatever. It's definitely a fad actually that I fell into when I was young and naive and obviously we don't want people to be in those situations. So what we've done, myself and Ben have actually picked four different fads each and we don't know what each other have picked i don't think we will have picked the same ones yeah if we have picked the same one we'll do like a little juicy bonus one at the end yeah okay. so it's gonna be eight all together yeah so the first fad is drum roll waist trainers sorry <laughs> i didn't give you time we're waist trainers yeah so the first one is waist trainers and this is a question i am asked all the time on my instagram you wouldn't believe how many questions a day I do actually get about waist trainers, whether it's on a live asking, oh, I've got one, like, do you think it's going to work? What do they do? Are they bad? Are they good? Etc. Et now, this trend stemmed from the Kardashians wearing waist trainers and promoting them on their social media because I remember when I was 18, this was just after I finished swimming and before my eating disorder. So it was in like that gap. And myself and my best friend bought waist trainers because we wanted small tiny waists exactly like the Kardashians. Now, modern day waist trainers are basically corsets or latex cinches 
worn anywhere from three to six or more hours per day. And I quote, to enhance a woman's shape by tightening her waist and giving the illusion of a curvy bust and thighs. I have a lot of issues with waist trainers. So firstly, wearing them during exercise, again, something I did as my little naive self, I'd be on that cross trainer with my waist trainer on, your abs and your core, so your trunk, that's there to help you throughout each and every exercise when working out because a strong core is vital when resistance training. Think about it when you're squatting, deadlifting, you need to keep your core nice and tight. But if you do these whilst wearing a waist trainer, which isn't supporting your back, it's not doing anything for you, you're not actually going to be able to properly engage your core whilst exercising. And over time, this could lead to a noticeable decrease in strength in your entire core. And not only that, but they will restrict your ability to breathe. Waist trainers are quite thick. Like it's not like a thin belt, like a lifting belt. They're really quite thick. They go from like under your bust right down to your waist. And this really, really restricts your breathing by constricting the rib cage and the diaphragm. So you can't actually inhale and exhale properly. You can't take in enough oxygen when you're exercising, your heart rate's increased. It's just very, very bad. And lastly, they're such an illusion in terms of cinching in your waist when you're wearing them. And it's an absolutely ridiculous way to shape your body and for it to be promoted because it doesn't work. Like you can't just take off inches and inches off your waist by wearing a waist trainer. And last thing I'll add is I'm pretty sure the Kardashians have had ribs removed. Really? Yeah, I'm, I don't know why I've heard that. No but I've claim. Yeah, it could not be true. But I've definitely read... Well, what you read now, you never know if it's true or not. Mm. But that the Kardashians have had ribs removed to had their waist look smaller. So it it's just honestly, it upsets me when I see people like still promoting them now because I'm just like, that is so dangerous. What are you doing? Do you know when it comes to the diaphragm and breathing now, you know how hard it is when you've had a weight belt on for a little bit to, to breathe um, regularly and normally. I'm not saying that it's to, to the same degree where it's, it's giving that much support and structure and it's that tight all the time. But you know how hard it is when you wear a weight belt? You want to get it off instantly, don't you? That must be so fucking uncomfortable when you're training, by the way. The other thing is I was just scrolling through, um, just browsing the web, as you do, when you were talking about that in regards to corsets. And one of the, obviously, because they're where I I suppose kind of predecessed from Mm. and where it originally came from because they were used to beautify women and also ensure modesty. Corsets were laced tightly with many as 50 laces and to be worn from childhood. So it's for children who weren't even fully developed up to the wedding night. So it's it's no wonder that like, if we look historically, this is what women were supposed to look like, tiny waist. And and if we look into the modern era of fitness now, it's still the same thing, tiny waist, big bum, legs, thigh gap, whatever else comes along with it. And it that that goes back all the way to whenever the, these corsets were, were coming around. We're still looking up to the same ideals and values then to now. It's the same thing. It's just re rebranded and remarketed, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's actually such a shame from what you said there, where that is the definition. Well, it used to be to actually be beautiful was to have a tiny cinched waist, and that was when I was eighteen. We're talking six years ago, but that's what I must have felt myself. I will never. <laughs> 
have a small waist genetically anatomically my bone structure impossible I'm flat straight up and down and that's something that I'm super happy with now however six years ago all I wanted was my waist to dip in I'm the same though like I am just I'm just one of those people who's just like thick as fuck like we both are just around the waist I've got a thick waist that's great one of the better ways one of the better ways that you can make yourself look if you want to like create that illusion is to to build some muscle, like build some thicker, Shape, build yeah. some thicker thighs, build like a, um, a thicker or, or wider back. Even as a female, I think it looks great. Not, I'm not saying you need to look like you need to take off. Do you know what I mean? It's okay though because you just described my back so yeah, well. Exactly. So, so well, I like that. Like it sets some other goals that are healthier rather than wearing a piece of shit like this. <coughs> Apologies. The thing is, I saw now as well a lot of guys wearing them. I don't know if you recall when we were in Lanzarote. There's a gym called Area Fit there, and there's a lot of guys who are wearing them as well. And I've noticed it's started to get more popular guys now as well. So would that be in terms of making their back seem bigger as an illusion? Yeah, to create a smaller waist. Again, you even see guys on social media promoting them now as well. And for some of them who are fairly educated, you would hope that they wouldn't. There's obviously just a big fat paycheck at the end, which is what most people just sell their soul to, which is frustrating because then these people have big platforms to to sell on to. I'm seeing more and more people doing it. Isn't there that brand as well? It's called like Sweat or something where you're supposed to wear like a sweat belt to sweat more. I don't know. There's all... There's a lot of random stuff. I remember when I used to go... Or sweat cream. I can't remember what it is. When I started training 10 years ago, people would put like bin bags around the waist (laughs) and stuff to make them sweat around the waist. (laughs) There's so many of... We could have gone on and on with these lists forever. That's that's our first That's a nice nice position to start. I think it flows quite nicely into my one. And this was the one that I was talking about at the kickoff of the podcast, which was the one that was on instagram this week and of course i'm not going to name names but it was from a, a love island ex wannabe person socialite whatever you want to call it and it was a fat loss leggings i mean i couldn't believe this I'm actually, I've, I've never heard of that before until this week and ben was like watch my story i was like yeah yeah okay i'll watch it now the fact that you can describe. Wait, um, I've got the video here, so you oh, can listen to what okay. it is. I can literally wear it for hours. Um, it's got like fat loss material as well. No, it hasn't. It helps burn fat in like the targeted areas, so like hips, bum, and waist. Um, it's just so comfy. Like I do all my workouts in them. No, fat you don't. Do you know what? I fucking, you know, I listen to it. I get angry, you know. I'm fucking just fat loss leggings, like you. Are not wearing those and then your body's metabolizing fat any better or burning fat any better or it's not changing your deficit it's not doing anything like oh my god it is unbelievable and i think the good thing was that i saw from this back was the feedback that pe- people just knew it was bullshit mm. which is good because people are better educated and stuff but even still like i pulled up amazon reviews on this as well because even Amazon has leggings on there, which are called Slimming Leggings in Black Anti-Cellulite Calorie Burning Ladies Women's Sports. Can you fucking believe that? That is honestly. And then there's, you I was reading through the reviews. Could get worse, could you? People like a review, like five stars, five stars. And obviously, you've got some people no good. Five stars, leggings, five stars, fit, nicely look fab. I mean, like I said, there's no doubt that these leggings probably will make you look a little tighter through the waist because I think that was one of the things they actually had a waist trainer built into them wow that makes it even worse well so, no wonder it's going to cinch you in at the waist so, then Jeez. so so it'll make you look slimmer probably make your legs look a bit more shaved it'll probably make your bum look a little bit bigger because that's what the product's made and 
on another note, I said this on Instagram. I wear tops sometimes with a tighter to make me look massive, to make your biceps look bigger. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? We all wear clothes that are more flattering and I'm all about that. If if you wear something that makes you feel better, great. But don't promote products that don't do what they say because there's, there's there's nothing ever and there will never be any science that backs that what she's just said and never literally at, impossible at the end of the day we know a calorie deficit is what helps you lose body fat whether that's from increased movement or whether that's through reducing your intake of food exactly the same i've said it before on the podcast and i'll say it again it's like when you take an, an overweight dog to the vet the thing that I'll tell you to do is walk it more and reduce its portion sizes and it's exactly the same. It doesn't say, well, do you know what? You need to put a fucking pair of leggings or a little jack on that dog. Does he fuck? It's actually like Imagine really if your vet said that to you. Well, you it. need to put a little woolly jacket on your dog and it'll help it lose weight. No, no one's ever said that. Fat reducing leggings. Yeah, I know. It's what taking is, it That's taking it to new new levels. I and thought we were leaving that saying, You're not going to lie around in these leggings or exercise in these leggings and you're going to lose more weight. It's just more bullshit from Love Island wannabes and the the thing that I didn't do on this I didn't tag her in it because I don't really like the cancel culture and I understand what that some people do call people out and I think it's necessary sometimes to go straight to the horse's, horse's mouth and try and educate cut it, cut it off um, and I think there's been a couple of cases where our friends in the industry have done this I think this works when the person genuinely is miseducated and delivering a product based on what she's been miseducated about. But this one, she fucking well knows that these leggings don't make you lose weight. So by calling them, you're not even helping educate them because they're educated already. They know they're, they're lying. They're just doing it for a pay, paycheck. And the good thing was that the feedback from this is that people knew it was bullshit. So it's just kind of getting that message around and making sure it's it's shared. Because the thing that will probably, if they, I didn't look at the page of the leggings were on, They'll probably have images on there with quick results. Do you know what I mean? So it makes because people will put them on and be like, "Wow, look at me in this transformation!" Two seconds later, because the leggings has sucked the life out of them. It's exactly the same with Viagra. Like you get a result from Viagra immediately, but it doesn't last, does it? They're not long-lasting results. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, completely. That one is definitely an absolute. My mind is blown. Fucking However, meal pot on this week. Yeah, we'll move into number three. So this one is more of a myth it's not a fad and this is my favorite myth oh yes <laughs> eating bread is bad for you if you follow me on social media you will know i have a passion a genuine passion for eating bread and toast like i just absolutely love that shit can i just say i know this is looking way down the line and probably a little bit pessimistic but do you know if you were to pass away before me i would i would bury you in like a hovis Hovis box, box yeah. with covered in bread. Covered in bread. Yeah. Oh, do you know what we could do at a wedding instead of throwing um, no. confetti? We could throw pieces of bread no. everywhere. Like, like, yeah, well, Imagine, like, the pi- <laughs> Imagine the pigeons go flying. <laughs> that would be literally my worst nightmare. But there will, there will be bread at my wedding. However, okay. The reason there is a myth around bread is bad for you is the whole notion that you should not eat carbs and carbs are bad for you. So it isn't necessarily that it started at bread is bad for you it's that whole stigma of you shouldn't eat carbs because carbs make you fat so that is not true just gonna throw that out there at the end of the day it's all about everything in moderation and the ability to create balance and sustainability in your life cutting out carbs so cutting out potatoes rice bread pasta 
means that you're cutting out your main energy or fuel source for your body. And if you train a lot, you do need energy. It's quite simple. You'll feel very fatigued. You feel very run down. You'll know if you've been in a calorie deficit before where you have cut carbs or whatever, you will feel low on energy. And bread seems to have fallen into this category. Now, I do want to make the point that I've already made that everything is in moderation. I'm not saying cane in loads of white bread. Starchy, you don't want to cane in loads of white bread. But whole grain, having some wholemeal bread a day is not a problem. It's absolutely everything moderation. And if you enjoy that, if you enjoy bread or toast or sourdough or rye, oh my God, I could list all of them. Rye, what's rye? Rye bread's like a quite a thick, dense, hard, dark brown bread. <laughs> I thought you were talking about something else then. Well, no, okay. Um, <laughs> if your goal, for example, is weight loss or fat loss, if you're on that journey, you would need to focus on calories in versus calories out. But having a few pieces of bread a day might suit your lifestyle it might suit your diet and you might enjoy it and that's the main thing how you can create sustainability so that is my take on the whole bread debate yeah i I had to pull this up before um because i'm actually going to use it as one of my points sorry i know you're recording something there weren't you on your phone i was i was looking at your phone turned to my bicep looking at myself i only clocked on to you recording oh my god (laughs) um i pulled this up from um a post that was put up and I don't want to get too far into it because it's going to confuse people. It was about carbohydrates and, and burning fat and carbohydrates to some degree um, will stop you from burning fat. Like, but it's not to be looked into like too much. Like when we eat carbs, our body can sense that there's a source of ready available energy um, presents. So it turns off the fat breakdown um, and does provide like the presence of insulin, which obviously like some people with diabetes don't have. So that's why I find it more difficult. Yeah. And when we eat carbs, our body produces insulin, which signals to the brain that there is uh, plenty of energy available and we don't need to break down stored energy at the moment. But um, one thing we do need to realize that why we break it down to the stored energy for, for use when there is already energy and ready to use. So the basically with the blood glucose, what occurs is after meals and it's dangerous if we don't think we don't quickly lower them by shuttling the glucose into the muscle and liver. The fat cells we use immediately, that energy is stored for later use. So there's, it waffles on because I'm just reading through a post. Um, but I basically, you've used more energy to, to live with, which includes staying alive, resting at a metabolic rate, activity, exercise, and digesting and processing food. Then you're taking in from food. Then you will be utilizing your fat stores and thus lo- losing fat. So that it's probably confusing that, isn't it? Because... There's claims that carbs can stop you from losing fat, but it doesn't really directly affect it because at the end of the day, you're doing a little bit of exercise and utilizing the stored energy, then basically it doesn't. Yeah, I think that's obviously to do with like calories in versus calories out though, depending on how much you're having of each food group. I feel like that's more, that makes more sense if you're overeating. It's, It's if you're overeating, the exact same example with the dog. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah, if you're yeah, over calories in versus calories out you choose where you want to get your energy from your protein how much protein you want to have i'm pretty big on protein i make sure i hit a really sufficiently high protein diet but i still 100 have carbohydrates in my yeah. diet for energy and to use as an energy source do you know what i really love though i love that bread that's got the fruit in it oh my god fruit loaf 
Is that what, no, what's that one that we've had with Greek before? We bought and we're like, oh, this is like sugary bread instead of like a savoury bread. Oh, brioche. No. I had like little cranberries in it almost. Yeah, fruit bread. Is that what it is? It's <laughs> literally it's bread with glorious. fruit in. It is great. pretty great. I like That's why I think I love bagels. I love cinnamon raisin bagels because they have the fruit bits in as well. Like I'm, yeah. a, I'm always a bagels boy rather than a than a bread lover. Yeah, definitely. And this <sighs> is just like that whole thing with carbs and bread. It's everything in moderation. You have to do a diet or whatever nutrition, eat what you want to eat in terms of how it suits your lifestyle, how it is sustainable for you personally it's different for every single person people always question like how do I eat so much bread a day because I have done for two or three years and and it works for me it really truly works for me again how do you eat 170 grams of protein a day it works for me Mm -hmm. so I do that I think it's important that people need to realize that you have to figure out what works for your body might not work for someone else you have to do it consistently as well you can't just jump around with stuff oh yeah completely so is number four fad number four mm-hmm. um <clears throat> i've chose ice baths and cold water exposure i'm interested about this one because i think we'll disagree okay well i'm gonna give you the science anyway so okay great good um so <clears throat> this is one that i don't think loads of people do um so it's uh, how relevant is i don't know i mean i've done this previously last year when i was going through the whole cold shower scenario that's more of a mindset thing. Though, yeah, isn't that's it? what I mean. So I thought I found that great for like just really waking me up and put me in like a positive mood and like almost doing something shit that you didn't want to do makes you feel better sometimes. It's like a challenge to get a yeah. cold so that was more at like that was more like a, a mental thing more than anything else. And the mental benefits are, are really good because you kind of feel recharged from it. But this is more to do with like ice baths post workout and the negative and there's there's actually more negative sides um, that hindle hindle hinder muscle adaptations that come from ice baths. So a 12-week study compared a 10-minute ice bath with 10 minutes of easy cool-down cycling post-strength work and found that the active cool-down group increased muscle mass and strength compared to the ice bath group. The researchers found that anabolic signals were reduced for up to two days after exercise in the ice bath group, which was then concluded that we found that the cold water immersion after training substantially attenuated or reduced long-term gains in muscle mass and strength. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Do you know why it's a weird one for me? And I actually probably do agree with that a lot more is because we we were forced to have ice baths. I know you were, but people like... After swimming. Look at all the athletes who get ice baths, football players, runners, athletes, and they're just... It's like a pro thing to do, isn't it? Because they, they are told to do that. And then people will, will pick up on that and look at that and go, well, fucking Ronaldo's doing that. Or some Usain Bolt's doing that. Yeah, yeah. All of them but he, the reason why he's that good is because he has consistency and hard work through training, nutrition, and accountability of long term, not because he's having an ice bath. Yeah, I, do, I truly... We had to sit in... Um, like proper ice baths, like a full-on blown-up thing with, and they were freezing. And you just used to do it. I'm talking, I was 16, 17, 18 when we did this. I didn't I didn't know why we had to do that. We were just told that we had to do that after our competitions and stuff. So I, you don't question it at the time, but that's so true. Like you see pro people doing it. There probably is some sort of thing behind what, doing it. What this it. is talking about is it's comparing it to doing like a, a comparison of between 
the ice bath and then just doing a normal 10 minute cool down. And when we're looking at for strength and retaining muscle tissue, um, then it's it's better to do the, like the 10 minute just easy cool down rather than do a 10 minute ice bath. Yeah. So it's it's more beneficial just to do like a 10 minute cool down. I agree with that. that. I do understand like where some part of it's come from where like with the blood pooling and stuff and then it flushes in. And it's a say it's like cryotherapy. It's, yeah, it's vasodilation and vasoconstriction. But you could go and exactly the same with this. Like instead of paying a hundred quid to go into like cryotherapy or whatever it's called, you could just go and jump in the sea and do it. Yeah. Like it's the same thing. You'll still get the cold effect and then the rush of nutrients from the blood into the the areas which are trying to recover. <clears throat> Apologies, I'm just coughing. It might hurt. <laughs> no, I do. That's actually a really interesting one. I hadn't even thought about that because also I think it's one of those things where it's like maybe if you are a pro or whatever i don't think like the everyday person should be sitting at home in a nice bath but even for pros like the research recently doesn't indicate like you might as well just sit you know like you'll see a lot i've seen it quite a lot in rugby is they'll have like bikes at the side of the pitch and it's it's better just to do like a 10 minute cool down on a bike but isn't this the thing as well when when you ice something and i've been told this by numerous physios and sports therapists you're not actually doing anything to the injury you're just reducing the pain and the swelling so it numbs it like yeah. it doesn't fix anything you're genuinely just stopping it for a period of time yeah it's you're, stopping from inflammation I, yeah. isn't it basically yeah. but you you should not really have inflammation if you're just recovering from an an exercise session oh yeah god so some of those swimming sessions i thought honestly i was so injured Every time I got out of the pool, I was like, I broke my back. <laughs> but yeah, that's number, that's number four anyway. That was great. That was actually a really good one. Okay, mine are quite foody, well, co- actually. Well, sorry, cold showers I'm, I'm quite a fan of. Oh, Just for more like up, doesn't it? mental benefit. I, I mean, I splashed my face with cold water to literally get out of bed. Wow, what a hero you are. I know. Okay, so this one is spot-reducing fat. And it's a very common one. And the only reason that I wanted to touch on it is because it is something that is asked every single day. Without fail, numerous times, even via email, a lot of questions. Now, it simply means that if someone wants to lose fat in a specific area on their body, they're going to have to lose fat everywhere else as well. Whilst this has been disproven by scientists a long time ago and a lot of the research, the myth of spot reduction has survived. And this is largely because of the efforts of immoral salespeople or influencers looking to make easy money for example and this is the one that I use all the time if I see a workout that says target inner thigh fat I will literally cry because you cannot just target your inner thigh fat you cannot spot reduce that specific area now the theory behind spot reduction is that when you exercise a muscle the fat will be lost in that area so I'll go back to that um, example of the thighs if you're doing I don't know, um, adduction work where you're, you're sat on an adduction machine and you're bringing your thighs in. People who push, spot, um, who push out the theory that you can spot reduce fat will say, if you do that exercise, you will lose fat there. The very common example is if you perform ab exercises, you'll drop stomach mm-hmm. fat. If you perform crunches, is a very common one. If you do crunches every single day, you will lose fat from that area. That is not true. You will not target your stomach abs, that area, to make them look more prominent by doing crunches. And I've shared that same message always on social media. Even when I first started, 
I've had abs since I was six years old. Genetics obviously pay, play a huge factor in that. However, I don't sit there and do hundreds of crunches and say, this is how to get abs. I mean, I if I wanted to, which I'm never going to do, by the way, I could create an ab program and make money because people will think, well, she has them. So she's, she's selling this program. Therefore, I will get abs that way. And a lot of, a lot of people will do that. They yeah, will sell ab programs to get you six pack abs. I just don't agree with it. And I think it's a really, really poor way for people to, to, to sell and to make money. Yeah. That's the same with, with me with like with bicep guides. If people always ask me if like arm guides and arm workouts, like I'm genetically have large arms. So if anything, I'm probably not the person to ask, oh, how do I get big arms? Because for me, it's just genetics. Like, there's no strategy to it. I've just blasted on for a little bit. Exactly. It's probably the the correct question to ask me, but people won't. Is how do you build a bigger chest? Because I genetically have a really, really poor chest. So I have to really focus on movements. I have to focus on strategy. I have to focus on consistency um, to, to really develop my chest. So that's why it's difficult sometimes with, with that kind of point that you're trying to make is people will go to these people who have that in abundance but usually they're the people who are genetically gifted in that area who haven't really had to work as hard or strategize for that certain body part, i.e. abs, biceps, yeah. that kind of thing. And when it comes to spot reducing body fat, it's it's obviously different for different people because genetically we hold body fat in different areas, especially between males and females as well, whereas females will tend to hold it more for like um, the back of the arms, the hips. Stomach. The stomach. It is usually one because our... The, the thighs, whereas yeah. guys will hold it more through the man boobs, beer belly, uh, and again, right through the lower back as well. So g- genetics will make up where you, like disposition body fat. But then it's also, there's a difference b- between visceral and subcutaneous body fat. I think it's, guys are more... Um, you have more visceral, I think we more have visceral, more subcutaneous. Which is, visceral is more fat, which is around the organs which is the fat ideally, which you want to be more concerned about because that's where um, you're more prone to the diseases in the future if you're holding more visceral fat around the vital organs, where subcutaneous body fat is going to be the body fat that sits outside of the tissue. and It's just stored after it's not been used as energy, yeah. basically. So that's the, the body fat where most people, when they're starting a program or whatever a diet may be, it's just what they want to lose. So the way that we we um, store body fat in different areas is massive down to genetics, but also sex, age, and other factors come into consideration as well and this is massively why we can't spot reduce body fat and i don't think we ever will be able to no i think some people well i've had it from a lot of people because i openly say i will train core and i call it core i've got something about i call it core or trunk yeah it's your trunk it's your core i will train my core probably once or twice a month to help my lifts and to have a strong core because I don't actually usually wear a weight belt. So I, I actually generally do need a strong core for like my deadlifts, my PBs when I'm going for I do a lot of strength training. People get pissed off when I say I don't train abs like three or four times a week because like, yeah, well, how would you have them? Like, that's not fair. Like, I'm like, yeah, genetics, unfollow me if you do not agree. Like, I cannot change the fact that I've had abs since I was six and I am now on social media so people see them more. Your body fat levels again as well. Though. Yeah, it's your body fat levels. It's a very topic. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've trained. I've been doing it at the moment once a week. I don't really like doing them with a weight training session. So, like when you've been doing stuff in the the evening, like half seven nights, sometimes I'll just get my 
the yoga mat out and I'll just do my ab yeah. workout, which is three sets of yeah. side crunches and then three sets of um, normal crunches, but it's like massively tempo based. So I'm not doing any weighted stuff, but the contractions that I do through my core work are really intense and like for a hold, slow eccentrics to try and build up the trunk and core strength that when I go into my, my compound lifts, I'm more supported through that and less likelihood of injury moving forward. But yeah, yeah, I like that one. Good. Thank you. Okay, is this number six? Six, seven, eight. Yeah, three more. Six. So this one is apple cider vinegar. This one actually hurts my soul, you know. Do you know what's so funny? I know that there's loads of people who will listen to this who probably do it and there's loads of people who we know who do it as well. I think like four years ago... I think the second video I ever put on my Instagram was about apple cider vinegar because I fell into a fad. But yeah, but we, we spoke about this with Ben last week mm-hmm. in regards to, as coaches, we've probably promoted some stuff in the past that we would now see as bullshit. And like, there's, there's nothing wrong with getting stuff wrong. Like, it's part of the journey and that's because we were miseducated by the fitness industry when we first got into it. And that's why I'm talking about that ripple effect at the start is that if you're miseducated at the start and then you pass that information on, that miseducation is then passed to hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree more. So apple cider vinegar. And I don't know, this is going to kind of raffle some, raffle some people's trees a little bit. And apple cider vinegar, just to quickly like brush over it, is basically like, is it pasteurized apple where it's like squeezed through and, know, and metal like down shit. and then they add, I don't know if they add the vinegar to it, but then they add yeast to it and they add bacteria to it and that's what creates the apple cider vinegar. Yeah. That sounds nicer. Will you just be careful? Sorry, there, I'm just really, I keep putting my hand on like, it's like you know, chair. Do you know when you're on an aeroplane and there's that person next to you fucking puts their arm on your armchair and it's like, <laughs> this is my armchair, so you're subtly trying to nudge them away. I do, I'm but sorry. I don't have to be subtle, I, I can just tell you, I can you just... I've, be I've, mindful I'm of my space. Myself, myself. Yeah. All right, carry on. It'll be all right when we get the the new house and we can we're opposite just, each other I've, and we can have a bit yeah. more space. But okay. at the moment we're we're not at that stage yet. Okay. So apple cider vinegar. The um, apple cider vinegar is like one of those that I think is just spouted everywhere all the time. There's lots of contradicting information studies on this. So I wanted to put a couple of studies within this kind of little section. So the my the most widely quoted study that has been done in humans is a trial that was done in 2009. And it was 175 people who consumed a drink containing um, from from zero to one or two tablespoons of vinegar each day. So after three months, those who consumed vinegar had um, lost weight uh, of two to four pounds and had also lowered triglyceride levels um, compared to those who didn't drink it. So another small study found that Vinegar consumption promoted feeling fuller after eating as well. So they were some of the results that have been spouted from the... There's only like one or two studies which are actually of any real use. Um, one of those, um, just to firstly look at the weight loss. One, this was done on, I think it was on Japanese subjects, which has no relevance. That's just where it was done. And the study found, obviously, there was a four pound drop. Now, this was a 12-week study. If we look at four pounds of weight loss in, in 12 weeks... Pretty shit. Well, yeah, you know, it's, it's not. It's not. Some people lose like two or three pounds just in the first week or two, just from water weight or um, the first shock to the system, or just getting used to a, a program. Not always, but it's it's quite often that does happen. So it's not really 
anything to, to kind of jump home about. The, the other thing is as well, is when we probably look at people who are going to use apple cider vinegar, they're at the start of a weight loss journey anyway. So if you probably took the the apple cider vinegar out and they just stuck to the normal protocol, they would have lost it with or without it and probably saved themselves 20 quid. Often people who like invest in these products are kind of like initiating the journey anyway. So just because they have bought the product will make them more mindful of other stuff. So it's not usually attributed to the apple cider vinegar itself. It's just attributed to the, the other things that will probably implement as part of that weight loss journey. And what they found was that everyone who lost the four pounds gained it back anyway. With is this compared to participants who, who didn't, didn't take yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. What did they lose? I haven't got that day yet. Okay. Um, but this, they just focused the results on the uh, apple okay, cider vinegar group. The other thing that obviously they picked up on that was that they felt full, fuller after eating the meals. Do you know why that was? Psychological. Nope. It was because they felt nauseous and sick after drinking the apple cider vinegar. That's literally like so what's the fucking appetite point suppressants, isn't it? You feel sick if you've had like... Yeah, but like what's the point? Why would you want to sacrifice <laughs> feeling full for feeling sick? Yeah, that's so ridiculous. The, 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 um, the guy who actually conducted the study told people not to take it for that reason. So the guy who ran the study on it categorically said this within the conclusions of the study, don't use it because it makes you feel nauseous. That's so interesting. So... I don't know why you'd... Yeah, why would you choose to feel sick? For, exactly end of so Full stop there's no actual research to that and scientific like some of this stuff was pulled from um a publication by harvard as well um and the other one was something that i found um from some of jeff's reviews jeff nipward reviews as well and the, the one thing that actually does help with sometimes is blood sugar levels from the data that's been collected and sometimes helpful for people who've got diabetes which is because it helps yeah, with triglyceride yeah, yeah. and blood blood levels um so I'm not saying it doesn't have some certain effects which are good for those with diabetes, but it doesn't have that much effect on people who don't have diabetes and just normal um, blood glucose levels. And it certainly doesn't help with weight loss. So it's a fad when it comes to weight loss massively. So don't, just don't invest your money in apple cider vinegar. This one just really hurts me. Like at the end of the day, just have an apple, mate. And if you want, if like mm-hmm. to take the vinegar, have it on your fish and chips or have it on your dinner. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's just the conclusion. That one. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's quite a weird one. I do agree. I do agree and there is research out there about the blood glucose and the levels and things like that. However, with the weight loss and the fat loss thing, I don't even think that's a thing. Like, and studies back that up. So my final one is fabulous. And I couldn't not include this. You'll all know. If you know me, you'll all know. Ben probably could guess that I was going to do this one as well at some point. Hip dip workouts. Do you know what I've started to do? I need to stop doing this. Hip dip. No, I sound like I'm a presenter because yeah, I've started doing voiceovers on TikTok of exercises, like incorrect form. And I'm like, welcome to my next TikTok. Need to stop. I just did it then. I apologize. Okay. I couldn't not touch on this myth. Maybe also seen as a fad when people promoting hip dip workouts. I'm not sure. I think it's more of a fad. I feel anyway. They are the latest body part that we've seemingly become obsessed with on social media and I would class this as just as a, a trend, a trend that won't seem to go away. Whereas the waist trainer one, that was a big, big trend like five or six years ago. It still kind of is. However, it's not as bad now. But hip dips has been on the rise and it hasn't gone away. I guarantee before social media, you would not have a clue what a hip dip is. Even some of you after this podcast or right now, you're going to pause this and you're going to Google what is a hip dip. Now, Hip dips are caused by the shape of your pelvis. 
literally the shape of your anatomy, i.e. your bones. Even though not everyone will have noticeable hip dips, if we're all reduced to a skeleton, all of us would have an indentation where the hip bone meets the top of the thigh as they are a complete normal part of your body structure. And hip dips are associated with the shape of your bones. You cannot change the shape of your bones. You physically cannot change the shape of your bones. And my point is, and I get really frustrated by this, is when people promote hip dip workouts to reduce them. You don't need to reduce your hip dips. There is absolutely nothing wrong with them. And as I always say, it is the same as having fucking elbows and knees. It's your bone structure. The only thing that I can agree with is if you have a higher body fat percentage and are looking to reduce your body fat percentage, women naturally store a lot more hip, 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 a lot more fat around the stomach and the hips and the thighs and things like that. If you wanted to reduce their appearance, you just have to reduce your body fat percentage but you could even make them more prominent. I've got hip dips. You can quite clearly see mine. Do I care? Absolutely not. I think it's they're completely normal. Mm-hmm. And this is why it frustrates me so much what that people bought attention to them on social media. Same as cellulite. Like I put up a photo not too long ago in a bikini and you could clearly see I've got hip dips. I had probably about three or four different people message me like, oh my God, you've got hip dips. Thanks so much for posting that picture. Um, how can you never talk about it? I was like, why would I need to talk about having hip dips? Why would I need to talk about promoting them, the fact that I have them when I may as well put a post up and say, okay, so this is a picture of me and and I have elbows. Mm-hmm. Like it, it quite frankly doesn't make any sense to me. And I think I really, really wish that fad or myth or whatever you want to call it was left in 2020 because it's giving out a lot of false information. And I think on social media now, the thing is, hip dip, whatever, or sell you like this and that, they're very clickbaity. So people will will Sorry. click on them. You know what? Ben's bloody just put a camera above my head and it's the most Looks distracting cool thing I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Literally, why have you just done that? You've completely lost my trail of thought. Um, yeah, end of. There's nothing wrong with them. If you have them, own it. Do you know what I think the problem is that people attribute it's cool that angle, isn't it? Really people attribute hip dips to being healthy. And that's the biggest thing is the association with them. Like we know that it's due to the, the structure of our bones and the pelvis that creates this look. It's like like me idolizing the way that your bone structures in your face and like trying have you I've had a couple of messages off them by the way, and I've been asked to do paid promotions for them. Um those things that you put in your mouth and chew on and hold on to to try and help the muscles in your face look different so that you create a, a better bone structure and a better uh, way that your jaw looks. And I've just said, mm-hmm. I've just not answered back. I won't even say what I answered back because it was probably a little disgusting. Mm-hmm. But it just annoys me that they're trying to ask me to, to, to promote something which they know is shit. Yeah, that's the thing about it where... It... And influencers do it. I'm not afraid to say that I still see it very often on the on the text thumbnail, hip dip workout. 
unfollow. Yeah. You don't need that in your life. You don't need to think you have to but work on reducing your hip dips or getting rid of them because you won't. Again, though, and they're great. Some of these influencers know that it's bullshit. Oh, and they've they, 100% they promote it know. You know that people are going to click on it. I've never ever called people out individually. I don't. I don't do that. I personally just don't agree with it. However, when I have spoken about these hip dip workouts and thigh fat workouts, there's definitely people who watch my stories who will get a lump in their throat thinking, ah, okay, I'm definitely promoting mm-hmm. something that I'm not supposed to be promoting, but I'm going to do it anyway. A million percent. That is mine. Okay. Number seven. There we Number go. eight. Last one. The final one we are on to. It's been a journey, but we're there. Okay. So this last one is... So I'm just going to remove that camera. I feel like it's so staring. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> The last one I'm going to talk about is is something that dates back for a long time. And it's something that I still get a lot of questions about on social media, which is why I thought it was important that we address it today. And it's it's meal replacement shakes. Interesting. Very good topic. Yeah. Um, the reason for this is, uh, it is, it is a fad um, that's been around the fitness industry for a long time. I believe that there is some benefits and there are a lot of negatives that to, to come with it. The, the only re- place there is, I think, for meal replacement shakes... And there was something. There's an initiative. I think it was launched last year or the year before. I think it was last year, in regards to helping those who are severely obese or those to do with diabetes. And it was the the soup and um, shake diet, which I think had people on like a thousand or one thousand two hundred calories, even some people on eight hundred calories. And this was to prevent people from basically death. Like yeah. it was to stop people from dying. And this was the only time that I'll advocate stuff where it, when it has health marker benefits. I it's gonna stop people from dying or stop people from disease. Like this is like a last action step, and it doesn't need to be an action step for people who are perfectly healthy, healthy who could go down other routes and other methods of dieting or other routes and methods of program that would help them lose the weight, feel better in themselves, feel more confident, and also create a journey that is going to be more lifestyle based and sustainable in the long term. Yeah, I think. I've never had them. I actually don't know much about them. Just, just are they for quite reference. Low calorie. Mm, it depends. Like some of it can be full of like shit and sugars and stuff, and then you can get some which are like based on more natural ingredients. Okay. Obviously, what we're not talking about here is having a whey protein shake. Oh no, that's not a meal replacement shake. This this would physically replace. Yeah, the, some of them food. are quite um, calorie dense because they'll be to get the nutrients that you would normally have in a meal and that you would normally eat. Okay. I'm just, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. That's why, so that's why, in regards, like the, if we look at like energy balance, a lot of the diets sometimes with meal replacement shakes will be similar to what you could just get from food. However, you will get some meal replacement shake regimes, strategies, whatever you want to call them, which will be really low calorie, like a thousand calories, and that's the reason why people are losing weight. Again, it's got nothing to do with that. It's taking liquid Is it form. Like a thousand calories for the day. Yeah. That it's in liquid form or there's any magic to the shakes. It's a simple fact that now you've gone from having a 2,000 calorie diet to having a 1,000 calorie diet. Like you've cut your calories by 50%. You are going to lose weight. Yeah. Like that's a simple fact of it. The reason why I dislike them and will we'll tell people not to use them is because they don't they don't fix unhealthy eating habits at the end of the day. They don't, they don't create a solution which is going to have a benefit to people's um, long-term relationships with food or create any sustainability mm-hmm. at the end of the day it just it's like a it's a quick fix for some people and the reason why it's not a fix is that people will end up and people who have used these have been showing studies to just gain the weight back anyway because when you go back to eating, eating foods again 
you are going to put back on the weight. And the nature of a liquid diet in itself also removes a lot of fiber from people's diet and potentially alters gut health um, and, and creates less filling eating or in case of drinking experience. Uh, obviously, fiber helps increase satiety and help with weight loss management long-term. So if you're having these weight loss shakes, there's a lot of um, kind of like suggestion that it'll alter digestive health as well by cutting out the foods because when you then put them back in your digestion's then got to pick up on it again and obviously like when we come to other diets which i know that you sometimes tried before when it comes to to health benefits you look at like cutting foods out oh, fodmap fodmap yeah. and stuff like that oh, but then often when you reintroduce them it can be quite harsh in your digestive system so that's why with some diets when you completely eliminate foods putting them back in there can sometimes alter the way that your digestive system kind of retakes them in and we can often c cause um, intolerances by just cutting stuff out long term. Yeah, well, it's like when a lot of people kind of went through that phase of cutting out gluten because they thought gluten was, was bad for you and suddenly everyone was like allergic to gluten yeah. and gluten intolerant and you didn't nobody needed to do that it would that was kind of a fad in itself like people just started to cut out gluten and create their own gluten intolerances when they try to introduce it again i think obviously the thing with a lot of the meal replacement shakes as well is that they are based on i mean i'm sure there's a lot more now dairy alternative but a lot of them are based on dairy and milk and stuff as well mm -hmm. and i can't remember what the exact stat was but i remember discussing it on a previous podcast that i think it was in like 10 to 15 percent of the population worldwide um can actually tolerate dairy like a lot of the other is just forced apart from when we're in the early yeah. stages of, of being a baby where we can sort of take it, take yeah, it yeah, in. Yeah, definitely. So it, it's it's often not the greatest point in regards to dairy intolerances either and the nature of them. And at the end of the day, like you're not creating good relationships with food if you're just drinking everything, are you? Like, I reckon you could quite easily become very lazy and obsessed with just drinking them. Yeah, it becomes obsessive and it creates like this horrible culture that I need to drink my calories and that this is the only way I can lose weight. Fuck me. At the end of the day, food is there to be pleasurable and to be enjoyed. You can't say to me, right, if I put this in front of you now in regards to like a, a 600 calorie meal versus a 600 calorie shake, if I put on your plate some sweet potato wedges some, and maybe a steak or uh, some chicken some veggies with some, some sauce some bit of mayo that you would prefer to drink that no. that's bullshit i don't believe anyone would no i don't either and that that's what we're looking at and when we're looking at say what's satiating obviously the food's gonna be more satiating as well and it's creating a more pleasurable experience at the end of the day we want to enjoy food you think like if you go out on a out for a meal there's fucking no chance you are sitting there and going, oh, do you know what? No, I'm not going to order anything because I'm going to, I've got me shake in my bag. I'm going to have that instead. I think Bullshit. as well, though, it could create quite a lot of social anxiety for people exactly. if they're so used to taking a replacement shake. And then if you go for a social occasion or you go for dinner or drinks, you might feel really anxious, um, which is something that you would rather avoid and not have that psychological relationship with food yeah and just to put this in perspective like i've just drank a usn trust um rtd 25 which is high protein shake and it's also lactose free like i'll drink these in the morning it's not a meal replacement it's it's an addition snack. to my diet to help me get a snack to help me get a protein intake up i'll have one per day and it's what um hundred like having a protein bar 185 calories yeah it's like having a protein bar and i'll have this just to get more protein to my diet so it's not it's not replacing a meal. It's an addition to the three or four meals 
that'll have throughout the day as well. So just to touch on that, we are advocates of whey protein shakes. Like we're not saying don't have them. It's just a supplement to your diet. It's not a replacement for them. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like that is all our fads and myths. I mean, we could go on with more. I mean, we may do <laughs> so We may do a version 2.0 in the future because there's so much shit. But it's also important for us as coaches to share this because... I feel like we have a duty to look after you. We have a duty to help change your life in the most positive way, whatever that is, in terms of your health and fitness. Mm -hmm. And us doing this podcast might help one of you. God knows how many it could help. But if you just realize something, maybe you've just gone and thought, right, I'm going to bin my waist trainer. Or I'm not going to follow that person who does hip dip workouts. Or I'm going to pour me apple cider vinegar down. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever it is, we do really, really hope this podcast was this podcast this episode and podcast was really helpful to you and as ben said at the start if you do have a spare two minutes and i i say that i don't know why i automatically say it'll take two minutes minutes. like 30 seconds 30 seconds to leave a little review let us know what you think of the podcast we do really really appreciate it it is a massive massive thing for us and this is probably one of our favorite times of the week where we just get to chat and help yeah i think the thing is as well, if you know anyone who's like kind of bought into these fads or is about to, to buy into these fads, please just share in this episode. Like it might help them, st- one, save some money. But also I do think that some of these fads have long-term effects on people's relationship with food or health or fitness or even the mental state. So if it, it can help someone not fall into that rabbit hole, then please share it with other people. The other thing that you'll probably notice that we do do is for people who share it on stories as well, we will message back to people um, and have a chit-chat with people. And, and also we're massively thankful for people who stare, stare on it, sharing on the Instagram stories or Facebook, etc. So it is it's really helpful for us to get this message out there to people. And then lastly, just to touch on again, we are going to be doing the competition giveaway. We'll hopefully pull that up next week in regards to people who have left a review over february and get you a, a juicy prize as well mm-hmm. indeed yeah so enjoy the rest of your day guys <laughs> guys Boys, you're going <laughs> i don't know why i'm going aussie enjoy the rest of your day or evening wherever you are in the world and we will chat to you next week's yeah, and lastly lastly i haven't said this for a while oh. don't be a dick to yourself 100 percent. bye guys bye